Hi listeners, it is one of your hosts, Kara North, and today I have a very special treat for you on the Instructional Redesign Podcast. If you know me, you know that I love conferences. I love going to conferences for the knowledge, but equally as important are the people. Last year, I had the opportunity to go to DevLearn, and I met a wonderful learning development professional who I'm sure we can learn so much from. His name is John Hinchcliffe. John, welcome to Instructional Redesign Podcast. Thank you very much. Again, a pleasure to have you. John is actually in the UAE, is currently where he lives at. And if you would, John, can you give our listeners just a little bit of background about you and what you're currently up to? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks a lot for having me on here. Really, really big fan of it. Now, when it comes to me, I've been in learning and development for over 10 years now. And I started out as a face-to-face trainer for a bank and started to really develop into digital learning about seven years ago. So I started instructional design, understanding kind of what worked, instructional design, pedagogies, started looking at authoring tools. Then I joined a fantastic e-learning company with Virtual College in the UK and just really making wonderful pieces of e-learning and just being given the freedom to really understand what works, what kind of really helps our customers and I became instructional design manager there and I won learning professional of the year bronze uh, when I was there which was a wonderful thing and I also joined as a voluntary position on the board of directors for the e-learning network which is one of the biggest not-for-profits in the e-learning industry had a really great time there just really helping people understand what they can do in the industry how they can progress And from there, I have now moved out here to the UAE. I presently work for the United Arab Emirates University as their instructional design expert. And I take care of around 700 members of faculty, helping them evolve from just face-to-face learning to blended learning. So telling them, you know, about how do we learn, but also how do we forget as human beings and also what technology can we utilize and also what learning experiences can we incorporate to really help the 16,000 students that we have here. And in addition to that, I also help with our PhD students that we have here. So PhD students who are looking to become faculty, I give them insights into what is modern learning and how can they really incorporate that because that's a real knock-on effect for the future generations. So kind of in a nutshell, that's me. I love it. And I didn't know that about the PhD piece of what you do. And it's something that I've kind of learned the hard way in my own PhD journeys is, you know, a lot of times in my role, at, and I also work at a university, it's very easy to get frustrated with faculty and also the system. But then I take a step back and I think, you know, these folks that are teaching, typically in a PhD program, there are not any courses on how to teach. It's just hyper concentrated in whatever it is that they're trying to study. So I love that you have the opportunity to kind of work with with them on that piece. And I also didn't know you started as a stand-up trainer. I did too. So um, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of us out there that started in that ILT space and then kind of pivoted into the digital space. So I love that. So it sounds like you have a pretty diverse background with corporate, higher education, and obviously you've been in this space for for a while, kind of like kind of like me. So I'm curious, how do you keep those skills sharp? Because I find like there's a lot of noise out there right now about 
everything in this space. Yeah, I mean, that's always been the thing is that there is so much noise and so many opinions. And obviously, we're at January now, it's time for buzzwords. So it's really about how can you look at what are the valuable sources? So what are the credible sources? But also kind of just talking to people. So having the conversations and also having conversations with people that you really respect. So for me, a really big inspiration is the Learning Development Podcast with David James. And on there, he's had some absolutely incredible guests, you know, like Laurie Niles Hoffman, so much respect for her work in data-driven learning. Adam Harwood, when it comes to resources, not courses. Danny Seals, when we talk about learning experience design. And that's a real big focus on experience. How do we learn from experiences? And finally, I think, you know, one of the really big ones on there is uh, Nick Shackleton-Jones, who has such a unique insight But I think when you really start taking these pieces of information on board, it just really starts making you think about learning and the process of learning. I think also for me, you know, being in this region, it is quite a surprise when I turned up here. So today is actually my one year anniversary of living out here. And for me, it has been really quite curious how there was no best practice sharing really out here. So I started a meetup group. Uh, called the UAE Learning and Development Meetup. And in the beginning, it had six people. And the reason for that was that out here, there are quite a lot of people who are looking to make money off things. So if you have a meetup group, it's usually you turn up and you pay the host £10, which kind of feels a bit wrong to me. So a lot of people thought that it was a money-making scheme because everything else was. So It happened, the first one. I gave a ton of value to people. And then the word started getting out that I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it for the karma. And so it started growing and growing. And now it's really about how many people can we help and how many people can have the conversations and not feel alone out here. Because I think that's one of the things of if you're not talking to anybody and if you are just being a bit of an onlooker on LinkedIn, you can feel very alone. You can feel as though your skills are not really up to par. So very much for me it is about talking to everybody, just whether it is face-to-face or whether it's on LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn has been an incredible ride and um, it just keeps on going and going. So randomly, I'm in the top 5% uh, in our industry on LinkedIn. And I just love providing people value, but also by providing value, it also gives me insight from other people. What's working for them? What's not working for them? What are their pain points? And where can I get inspiration from that? But then also being able to practice those in my work. So with the faculty that I help, I'm able to experiment. So I have quite a number of faculty who are you know, willing to take you know, a little bit of a punt, being able to you know, really see... How can we implement resources? How can we implement things that will help their learner when they need them? So yeah, it's it's really quite a big, broad range for me. You know, you're the second person that I've interviewed for this season that's talked about the importance of LinkedIn. So that tells me that we need to get some LinkedIn experts in on this podcast to help our listeners kind of get started with that. And I smiled because I know we're probably going to talk about this here when we talk about DevLearn, but the meetup thing, you you kind of like those meetups, don't you? Yeah, I think, you know, we can click from place to place, but nothing really replaces face to face. And um. I think it just, yeah, I think being able to actually, you know, meet people and, you know, just really thrash ideas out and also, you know, just kind of give some empathy as well. 
you know, this is a tough game that we're in, is laying in development, whether you are face-to-face, whether you're online, and being able to know that people have gone through those same pains and, you know, being able to, you know, just have a coffee and just talk through something and really help people is, um, yeah, it's a really great thing for me. Well, I love that. And I think that that's definitely a noble cause that that you're doing. And you kind of talked a little bit about kind of the culture of if somebody's helping you that it was kind of expected there was a payment where you're currently at. Can you give us kind of another quick little snapshot of like what instructional design looks like in your part of the world where you're at? I just think it's fascinating to kind of hear like the day in the life of someone else somewhere else in the world and how they approach things. Yeah, I mean, really quite a surprising thing is instructional design really feels in its infancy here. And it was quite a big shock for me. I mean, tin can out here, you would only really find in the supermarket. It's um, it's not really a word that is used. And, you know, really, it feels as though being able to bring kind of my experiences and kind of my thoughts that I've had from actually doing the work, but also, you know, from this keeping my uh, skills up to date is really, really helping people kind of think differently and really think about who are our learners? How are they learning? How can we help them? That's kind of a big thing for me. So yeah, it's very much in its infancy. You know, this best practice sharing is feeling really brand new and it's really, it's really just trying to help people open up to new ways of thinking. So thankfully people are adventurous out here, but It's one thing that the instructional designers are adventurous. It's another thing being able to prove it to the organizations. And so it's really, you know, whenever I'm doing meetups or whenever I have people talking to me on LinkedIn is talking through, I have this problem. I'm trying to convince my manager that I want to do X. Have you experienced this? And it's either from my experience or I'm able to point them to a case study that I found or somebody that I know that has actually dealt with this. So it's really trying to be a facilitator to really push what we're doing out here, which seems crazy that, you know, from one individual trying to change and progress something in a whole country. But um, I think it's a really worthy cause. Absolutely. And again, building a community kind of from the ground up is is never an easy task, but I'm sure that everyone appreciates everything that you do. At least I hope they do. Speaking of being appreciated, John, uh, one other thing that you are currently doing is you are in the running for Learning Professional of the Year. And just so you know, your friend in the United States is cheering you on very loud. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the process of what this looks like and a little bit more about that award? Yeah, sure thing. And really, really, I am so amazed and appreciative of everybody's support on this. Um, it, it's something that always gets me is how wonderful this uh, industry is and how we're all backing each other. So I, I always appreciate it from everybody. So with the uh, Learning Performance Institute's Learning Awards, uh, this takes place in London and it's a global award for learning professionals. So it's not just online uh, learning, but it's face-to-face. So it's quite a big category and it's quite a fierce category. You know, you've got people from all over the world who are incredible at what they do. And so it starts out whereby you submit uh, your information with regard to a number of key criteria. So it may be, you know, how have you made impact over the past 12 months? Uh, what has been an example of innovation within your role? And so you provide this information and then you are then shortlisted for that. 
and then you have to do a 15-minute presentation in front of four judges, and then you have 30 minutes of being pretty much George Foreman grilled by um, these absolutely incredible people in the industry. And, you know, within that 15-minute presentation, I remember when you first start doing public speaking and five minutes feels like eternity and 15 minutes now feels like nothing it feels like a blink of an eye so really I've been talking through the work that I've done over the past 12 months but also I've been talking about a lot of things that I do in my spare time so I started a best practice sharing um, video series called hashtag one tip Wednesday And really, this was born from the idea that we have a lot of great information in this industry, but we kind of need a reason to provide it. We need something novel. And I was looking at the uh, Ice Bucket Challenge, and I thought, you know, there is something here with having that ownership, you know, being kind of nominated by somebody and then, you know, owning that. So I did a video where I gave a tip and I nominated two people. And then they do the video and nominated two people and so forth and so forth. And surprisingly, that had over 50,000 views. And it was just this incredible thing. And people gained value from it, but also it became something. And I was ever so proud with that. But then also in my spare time, I mentor seven people globally. So it's looking at people who are different stages of their career, whether they are looking to change career completely or whether they are quite new in the e-learning industry and just want to know what's the next steps. You know, whether it's things like how do I make a portfolio or whether it's just where is good best practice? What does good look like? So really helping people and, you know, helping them get the jobs that they want. And thankfully, people have. I mean, I've got one mentee who does a bunch of hypnotherapy courses. And when she first came to me, she had four students because they were documents and they were really long and they were unformatted. We looked at learner analysis, looked at market analysis, made a plan, made the videos. And now she has over 7,000 students. And it's now her full-time occupation just, you know, doing online learning and, you know, being able to make impact. That's been the biggest thing for me. So that was my 15 minute presentation. And I talked through some of the things that I've done here at the university. Like I made 127 videos for our faculty in one month. So that was seven days a week for one month to make sure that they had the knowledge to create blended learning. I created two six week English MOOCs that had a project plan of two years. I did that in two months because we had really, really strict timelines that we had to hit. So the 30 minutes of kind of conversation really came down to, is this real? You know, really kind of having to justify how on earth these things were real. And it's really kind of crazy thing to think about, you know, that the stuff that I've accomplished this year sounds crazy. But um, yeah, so that was... Learning Professional of the Year, I find out on the 20th of February. Uh, it's actually, I think, streamed live online. And um, yeah, it'll just be an incredible thing. But, um, you know, whether I win, whether I lose, you know, it's always a chance to grow. There's always a chance to develop. But it's not only about how can I develop myself. It's also to try and inspire others. Because... You know, I've had a very, very, you know, 
long career. It's 10 years, but it hasn't been easy. And, you know, it's about how do you motivate yourself to really push? And so that's why I help out as many people as I can, because I know how difficult it is. I just think it's so important that if you are in a stage that you can give back, you do it. And you just shared absolutely the benefits of doing so. Because I guarantee you, the folks that you've mentored and all these conversations you've had, have you grown from that? Have you learned from the other people as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Empathy and self-awareness are a couple of things that I really promote. And I just think... You know, you can talk to people and you can find out stuff about what you're doing, whether it is to do with your role, but also whether it is to do with you as an individual. You know, I think I have grown so much over the time of mentoring because, you know, you do at times have to be very honest, but then you also have to be honest with yourself. You know, you have to practice what you preach. And um, that's a massive thing for me is... I can't tell somebody to do something if I'm not doing it myself. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I I love that you're kind of operationalizing mentoring as this kind of dual conversation, this two-way street, because I think a lot of people, when they think about it, just expect somebody more senior just to do like a knowledge dump into somebody's brain, right? And it's not really about what that person can get from it. But in my experiences, that's something I always look for. If I'm trying to help somebody, I want to know what I can learn from them. And if you don't think you can learn something from them, I feel like that's really foolish because I do not have the luxury, so to speak, of looking at everything of this profession with new eyes because I'm seasoned and I've been in it for a while. So getting perspectives from new sets of eyes, I think are super critical. And again, kudos, John. I I love what you stand for and I love what you're doing. And it really is important and keep up the awesome work. So it's great. Speaking of awesome work, we're going to uh, switch gears a little bit. You recently got on a plane and came to the United States. You came to DevLearn. I sure did. Let's talk about that. What made someone that was living in the UAE come all the way to the United States to DevLearn? What were your goals and what were some of your takeaways? And then we'll talk a little bit about like our experience. Um, Yeah, it, it was a fair old flight. I've got to admit, it took me about... Gosh, it was about 20 hours to get from uh, Dubai over to uh, Las Vegas. But, um, you know, for me, Devlin, I've been meaning to come to Devlin for absolutely years because from everything that I've heard from people, because you always see people doing their recaps, uh, whether it's a daily recap or whether it's a conference recap, and they were always talking about, you know, how much value they got from it, but also the community. And that was something that I really wanted to experience was, you know, getting to meet people that I have seen so much online through LinkedIn. We've had, you know, back and forth conversations. And um, yeah, for me, it was really, I wanted to experience that because I'd heard so many positive things. And also, I wanted to see, I've done UK conferences, which are, you know, the nice, the reserved. But I, uh, the thing is, like, I've been to Vegas quite a lot. I got married there. And uh, I really wanted to see what the Americans would do with a conference. I wanted to see how big, how wild, how wonderful it would all happen. And um, I've got to admit, I really wasn't disappointed. It was, gosh, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, just meeting so many wonderful people. And once again, that sense of community 
was something that just really shone through. I mean, obviously, getting to meet you face to face, getting to meet what has now become the Flute Crew is one of the most wonderful things. And being able to not only watch and participate in absolutely incredible presentations, I mean, that's the thing that I've got to admit. All the sessions that I went to, every single one of them was valuable which is so rare with conferences. It's very, very common that you go to a conference and you just feel like you've been sold to. But, you know, I've got to give massive credit to David Kelly and the eLearning Guild team for just putting on an absolutely fantastic conference. And so it was incredible sessions from people like Tim Slade, just giving a really wonderful insight into design. Kate Passerfield talking about data-driven learning. Helen Papagianis giving, without doubt, the best keynote that I've seen and that was to do with AR. So there was those wonderful things. But then, yeah, community. It was just being able to go on the app and say to a whole bunch of random people, I'm thinking of going for dinner tonight. Does anybody want to join me? And without doubt, you would then go to dinner with seven strangers and just have a great time. So, yeah, I, I really, really am looking forward to this year. I need to actually work on doing a proposal for a session so that I can afford to come through. But um yeah, I really, really loved it. Done. We will work together and we'll get that session proposal done. So that's something that I've been really trying to push more, especially this year. DevLearn's probably going to be the only big conference that I go to this year because I've really had to scale back. I mean, I was very, very fortunate. I got to go to Learning Solutions, ATD ICE, and DevLearn last year, which is nuts. But I, I really want other people to feel like they're good enough to speak. And then again, the nice thing about these and something I always try to encourage people to think about is if you get a no, let's say you put in all this work into this conference proposal and you get a no, that's fine. I mean, just keep it and then shop it around at other conferences. You've already put the work into it. Uh, go ahead and try to get into different, maybe local ATD chapters or different regional conferences in your area. I mean, you might as well, you put the work in it, you might as well, well do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a wonderful point. Not last year, but the year before, I actually put forward a proposal. I put forward a proposal for how to make um, adaptive learning really easily in Storyline and it didn't get accepted. And so kind of instead of getting in a huff and, you know, feeling as though I was wronged, I just went on LinkedIn and I said, look, I was going to do this session. It didn't get accepted. Fair enough. If anybody would like to, you know, see it, I will put it online. Just give me a yes in the comments and I'll make it happen. And 190 people signed up. Wow. So it was just incredible to you know, make it happen. So, you know, there's so many different avenues, but yeah, I think, you know, that point about, you know, just because it's a no at one place, I mean, that was the great thing. I actually spoke to um, the eLearning Guild about it and they said, look, you know, it was just that the themes that they've got going on that year, it might not have really worked, but they wish me all the best. And, you know, I've, I've got a lot of respect for them for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will plug that as well. Uh, the Guild is very good about giving feedback on your conference proposals, even before you submit them. That's one of the only organizations that I know of off the top of my head that will do that at that level. So again, kudos to David Kelly and his wonderful team. I, I, I do think that that is absolutely amazing that they're able to do that for folks because I think a big hurdle is people are scared of 
being rejected. And then I think another hurdle is people deal with imposter syndrome. Am I really good enough to give this presentation? If you're listening, you are. So there you go. So if you are a living, breathing human and you're in this space and you want to present, you totally should because you have different perspectives that maybe some of us don't. And Tim Slade says one of my favorite things about this, you are an expert in your own experiences. So might as well elevate that and use it. Perfect. And also, I think, you know, one of the great things from, you know, when I did that video for LinkedIn, that actually got me started to talk to Kath Ellis, who, you know, once again, we've got to give we've got to give a massive, massive shout out to the incredible Kath Ellis, who did the most wonderful demo fest demo of her podcast driven uh, fraud and anti-corruption training, which was just the most incredible story. Every time I went round, there was just a group of people and I actually sat down on the table and we were chatting and I was getting emotional by how amazing a job she had done. And, you know, rightly so, she won her division. So um, I think Demo Fest is just that little cherry on top of everything. And um, that, some free drinks vouchers, just a great night. I, I will agree that I love Demo Fest. I will never do Demo Fest again because I'm undefeated, but I do want to encourage people to do it. So I know this for this past Demo Fest, I met Andy Lockwood on LinkedIn and he had built this product that he was showing off in Demo Fest. So I tried to give him some pointers, but absolutely agree 100% John that Kath Ellis is like the gold standard of what we should be doing and yeah, you actually sat down because I saw you running around with drinks all night. Yeah, I was I was pretty much like a mobile bartender. <laughs> I think it was this thing of I'd been so nice. People people were like, oh my god, he's he's so nice. I would, look, just had my free drinks vouchers, and then like I had like bottles in my pockets, and literally I was walking around and I was seeing people who I know. So I saw Andy, and I was like, right, what what can I serve you? I saw James McLucky, the tallest man in L and D, gave him a bottle of beer. And yeah, so pretty much I was I was a mobile bartender from that portion. But I think that that once again comes down to that community of, you know, you can walk around, you can meet, you know, even though this towards the end of the conference, you're still making friends. You know, it's a great time to catch up. And also, you know, you start seeing some real L&D rock stars in the flesh. And um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. I mean, I saw uh, Ken Murray who I've got a whole heap of respect for from a podcast he did absolutely years ago with uh, Learning Now TV about storytelling. And it's one of the best podcasts that you know I really reference. And um, yeah, I just saw him just at a table, just chilling. And um, yeah, it, there is just so much value in so many different areas with Devlin. And um, I think also, you know, meetups as well, you know, just being able to bring together a bunch of people and just have a drink, have some food, break bread, and just get to know what everybody is dealing with. What are people doing, you know, from so many different parts of the world, you know, like I went out for dinner and it was half English, half American and just getting to know people from home, getting to know people from America, different areas, different industries. And, um, yeah, so much love for Devlin. 
Agreed. And I can't wait to go back. And I know that my friend in England, Jonathan Hill, is going to be trying to come over. So I'm really excited about finally meeting him face to face. And then, of course, hopefully, John, you get to come back as well. So, yeah, I, again, if you've never been to an L&D conference, I, I do think that DevLearn is probably the highest on my list I just for all the reasons that John just mentioned. Because, again, the presentations, they're so on point, but also I find a lot of them are actionable. And then seeing products that your peers are making, learning experiences, podcasts, even like a card game. I think I saw a card game at DemoFest. Seeing how people approach that, that's absolutely invaluable information. Anytime you can look under the hood at how someone else is building something, I, I always learn a lot from that. And then three, the people. The people are wonderful. You will find people. You'll find a tribe at DevLearn if you go John, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your insights are always just right on target. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, I would say main place, LinkedIn. Uh, I pretty much live on there. So if you search for John Hinchliffe, so H-I-N-C-H-L-I-F-F-E, because a lot of people call it Hinchcliffe, find me on there. If you think I might be able to bring you value, connect with me, say hello. Say that you heard it from here, and um, hopefully, if you're at DevLearn, I will try and be there, and uh, be lovely seeing you there. And also, if you're in the UAE, then uh, feel free to connect, and hopefully have you at one of the meetups. Fantastic. Again, thank you, John. I think today's challenge, listeners, are to think about what you're currently doing and how it is impacting you in your career. One of my dear friends, Anna Leach, uh, has always imparted on me this idea of your retirement speech. What are the things that you're going to say at your retirement speech as big achievements in your career? And who are the people that you're going to thank? And John's given you a lot of good food for thought here when he's talked about what he has done in this learning professional of the year process, and then also just his own experiences and mentoring. I definitely think that if you are a professional and putting the pro in there, then you definitely should be helping other people and building a community just like John is. So again, thanks so much for listening and hope you have a wonderful day.